Welcome to the Beyond Beauty podcast, a platform to highlight the beauty industry's talent, deconstruct their learnings, and spark ideas for your own business. The Beyond Beauty podcast is created by Dilly, the leading creative agency working with the fastest growing brands in beauty. Here, we'll interview guests from major beauty corporations, creative directors, influencers, founders, and risk-taking entrepreneurs. Our guests are not only changing the traditional beauty landscape, they're also innovating in e-commerce, branding, and digital marketing. Join us as they share valuable advice, how they launch their businesses, and most importantly, ignite thought-provoking conversations across beauty, tech, and marketing. Today on the Beyond Beauty podcast, we are excited to have Bethany Ramsey. She is the founder of Honeybee, a beauty, health, and wellness marketing and product development consulting agency, as well as a co-founder of The Beauty Brief, a beauty industry resource to shine a light on the latest news and product updates. We're excited to have Bethany on the Beyond Beauty podcast to share her story within the industry. So Bethany, take us back to where this all began and where you got started in the beauty industry and in copywriting and supporting brands. I'll hand yeah, it off absolutely. to you. Thank you so much for having me, first of all, Anne. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here today. My journey into the beauty space has been a little bit unconventional. I feel like a lot of people have gotten their start with their internships and things like that. But for me, I got my degree during a time when journalism, which is what I studied in school, was a little bit of a, an uncertain territory. A lot of our professors at the time, I went to Columbia College in Chicago, were honestly a bit discouraging, not out of anything malicious, but there was just a fear in, in digital journalism and, and media as we know it today in 2012 was still completely different and very uncertain territory. So I also picked up PR major as well and studied marketing courses and got my internship in the hospitality and nightlife space with Rocket Ranch Productions. And after that, my first role ended up being at an e-commerce agency, focusing on content development, copywriting, a lot of different product pages and things like that, specifically for Amazon as an online retail platform. It was a little bit of beauty, actually. It was maybe where I got my first taste. I worked with a brand called Jaredon, which specifically designing a lot of different like vanity mirrors and different more like tools and things like that. But it honestly wasn't until 2020, after being in a variety of industries from, let's see, everything at the e-commerce agency. After that, I freelanced for a while and worked with mostly small businesses, which was another huge passion point of mine still to this day. And then I got into the healthcare sector for a while, which is still something that I'm really passionate about. Commercial architectural lighting <laughs> it was an interesting segue. But when the pandemic hit, I was a COVID layoff from that job, and I ended up getting a role in beauty. I worked with Amway in Grand Rapids, Michigan at their corporate office, and I was on the global beauty marketing team as a brand manager, and I just completely felt like finally I found my space and I fell in love. And since then, I've worked with a bunch of different brands, everything from international corporations such as Amway, focusing on artistry skin nutrition, to small indie brands such as French Girl Organics, and then also to the professional skincare space. My last full-time role was with a company called Hydropeptide based in the Seattle area. It was a lot of searching, and I knew what I loved, and my roles kept continuing evolving and 
having more variety and a lot of interesting mix. I definitely consider myself a 360 marketer. And I think it's really important for our marketers to be able to have a niche maybe that they love, but to be able to do and understand a variety of the different elements under that marketing umbrella. But finding my home in the beauty industry has just been so rewarding. It was like all the different pieces clicked in my brain. Amazing. It's such a fascinating industry and it's constantly changing and especially relating back to the story you shared about journalism and professors yes. saying what's happening to journalism, how it's going to evolve, what are the threats and opportunities. Beauty has been the same way. And I think we definitely saw that sweet spot of 2013 to 2016 when a lot of attention started turning onto the beauty industry. This morning I was listening to something and it was saying that the beauty industry, it used to be how much makeup you could apply and how you could contour your face and full coverage foundation. And then Glossier came along and said, oh, what about sheer tints or what about making the best of you? And Bobby Brown was rooted there. And now there's such a variety within the beauty industry and like skincare is having a moment. Now we're focusing on hair care as well as clean fragrances. And it's, you can have that full coverage to that more sheer look. So how have you navigated the dynamic world of the beauty industry? especially from a copywriting and consulting angle where you're helping brands big and small understand their space within this really fast paced and evolving industry. Yeah, absolutely. So copywriting is definitely one part of what I do, but it's also a lot of different things such as like the brand strategy and coming up with the narrative and the storytelling element too, and in a bigger way, which is really exciting to me. And I think that speaks to my background as a, a former journalist wannabe, especially too with the beauty brief, we get to explore that. But what I think is really interesting is that there's so many different things that are happening, but there's also this major convergence that's occurring. So there's the skinification of, of makeup and cosmetics and everything's becoming these hybrid products where there's not just a focus on makeup or, or beauty as a space specifically, but there's also the consideration of wellness and even mental health, like with topicals, like that's a huge part of their brand messaging and their story. And there's this level of authenticity that's so beautiful with it. And I think that those different spaces that are all combining into one and influencing the beauty industry and thinking more about humans and who we're designing for and how they've evolved as consumers and, and what they're looking for has been so interesting. Um, I think that when you're looking at either an existing product portfolio or you're looking to expand a line, it's important to just really take a step back and make sure that you're thinking about the direction that things are heading with that and also providing those options and not just being in one way where it's going to be a little bit I don't know, old school. I think that things are moving in a direction where we're looking for a lot more variety in the products and, and multi-use and multifunctional. Mm -hmm. You can have a lot of different benefits in one thing. And you made a good point that it's such a mix now of the traditional product marketing as well as this new age branding, storytelling, and who you are either as a founder, as a company, as a product line, as a limited edition collection. What is the story behind it? and how you're able to connect with consumers. And a huge thing we're seeing is that it's no longer brand-led marketing, it's consumer-led marketing. So how can you help, and, how, and through your work now, how do you help brands understand what consumers are looking for? And while there is such an array of needs and wants, how do you help those brands understand what works for their brand values and what they can 
find as an opportunity and what is just something that everyone else is doing? I think the biggest thing and what's a little concerning at times, but it, it also makes me feel reassured that there's a need for what I do in the world. But brands will have this kind of concept of who they are, but they don't actually quite know it in, in a really concrete way. Coming up with an elevator pitch, for example, it could be a little bit confusing, or if they're trying to describe their vision to a creative agency that's going to be producing like a brand video for them or something, they can realize in those moments when they're trying to describe what they want and, and the energy and the vibe of the brand that they don't quite know how to articulate that. So my biggest suggestion is to always focus and as much as you can come up with the very core first as who you are as a brand what are your values? What do you stand for? And try and make that statement as concise as possible. And then after that, continue to expand upon that in different ways, whether it's whatever your philanthropic um, partnerships that you're interested in being a part of, what are you doing? How are you giving back? What is the core of your mission? And all of those things, you can continue to expand upon that in detail, which I think is interesting to consumers, but you really need to know in a couple of sentences, who you are and then what you want to present of your brand to the rest of the world. As mm. far as consumer led and how people can better understand how to effectively market to them, I think a lot of it's a little bit old school, but it, it gets slept on a little bit. For example, social listening is still going to be such a helpful tool for marketers and for people that are just involved in an emerging brand or an existing brand. For example, Creeping on Reddit. Skincare Reddit is an amazing place for you to learn about what is happening, what are the complaints, where are there opportunities for education, where is there prevalent mis miseducation that's occurring, which, as we know, in the beauty space, with skincare, with cosmetics, with all of that, there's so much misinformation. And I think consumers are really wary of that, too, and they're wary about where to put their trust. So... An element of that as well is if you're starting a brand, be prepared to be transparent and to answer questions and to have those answers ready to go. Don't just wait until people start coming up. You should really take a look at what are all the possible things we could be asked well in mm -hmm. advance prior to launch. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. If you don't know how to use a product, then you'll probably, you'll never use it enough to have to repurchase it, or you won't refer it to a friend, which is still a huge part of the beauty community is through friends, sisters, moms, next door neighbors saying, Hey, I love the way your skin looks or teach me how you do your eyeliner. And that's, it's such like a grassroots marketing approach that now has been exemplified through social media. That is definitely a big point. I love this Reddit idea that that is, there's, <laughs> there's a lot there and it's, there's so much it's at our fingertips too that we can discover. And I think we've seen within the, probably the past 10 years of the abundance of information and how do we sort through it to say what applies to us as a brand and what can we run with and what is more for our competitors to focus on. And there's so many other tools out there too. And you can invest money in that with market research. I know there's been different things over the years where I've had the opportunity to talk to people and get anonymous setting and really get like consumer feedback and the process of developing things. But you can approach it in different ways and it doesn't have to be expensive. You can simply listen. I'm totally blanking on which brand it was. It 
Glossier may have done some of this, but I know there have literally been brands that have been completely created just on the basis of what their community was asking for and wanted and needed. Mm -hmm. And platforms like Reddit are going to be really useful, as well as just paying attention to, to comment sections of brands that maybe you admire on social media, what's being said. You can take a look in general at just what people are doing in the landscape and in the space and maybe identify those key trends. And that can also help you understand better how to position yourself and get that differentiation. I think, too, it's also just really important to be on top of trends and to read the industry news and all of that is going to be key forever and ever. I like to get so much of my news because it's so curated and there's also professional perspectives through LinkedIn specifically. I have so many wonderful connections that are just brilliant minds and they have great feedback and they'll share interesting stories that maybe wouldn't have popped up in my algorithm. And I love that. And I think if you're in marketing, don't just follow other marketers. You should be following the chemists, the scientists, people in, in supply chain, people in project management, people in whatever different area too, it's going to just help you be more well-rounded mm-hmm. and, and have a better idea of how to approach everything because all of it is entwined. And there's so much too that uh, beauty can learn from parallel industries, whether they cross over or they don't. And that's something that we try and focus on this podcast is that we'll interview people within the beauty industry and beyond it. So if someone's working in technology, maybe they're working in the latest digital media advancements and what can we learn from them? How can we leverage it? Or maybe it is in the chemistry side of product development and what are we learning from healthcare that we can apply to anti-aging and skincare? There's a lot of things that are, were once thought to be so separate from the industry that we can really leverage and learn from, especially since it's continuing to evolve and transform. Was that how you got to start the beauty brief of almost aggregating the top news articles and resources and giving more of an explanation of like product launches and the latest trends? My co-founder Sherry and I were really interested in taking a look at product launches from the eyes of marketers in order to really help people in the industry establish key trends and establish what's happening. And we have a lot of different ideas for the future as far as expansion grows, but right now we just focus on two to three different launches each week, and we break it down in a way where here was the marketing strategy, here's what they did to go to market, and we're using that to curate eventually some trend content and different learnings and understandings. And we think it's really helpful. Honestly, it's helpful for our jobs to to be doing the beauty brief. And we also think that's a really interesting way just to provide information regarding product launches that really isn't always touched on. We think that there's a lot of information where it's curated on here's this product and here's what it does and da-da, but we want to know specifically what pertains to us. How do they take it to market? What did they do that may be interesting or intriguing? What were the different things they did to get it in front of consumers in a unique way? Did they do a pop-up? Did they do a beauty truck? Did they have a retail partnership or not? Was it just fully an organic community with a focus on influencers and real girls to showcase what they're coming out with, et cetera? It's, it's interesting. And we know that it can be saturated with just the general launch coverage. So we wanted to do something that would provide a little bit different type of value and a unique approach so that there was a reason for the beauty brief to exist. Is there a beauty brand that you think is just doing marketing product launches just so right now and and why and what are they doing? And is it because it's innovative? Is it because it's 
really connected to who they are of their brand identity? Or is it because they're taking something traditional and giving a new spin on it? My favorite example in recent new brand history, we just did a piece on this this week, vacationing. That brand is so And it's silly and it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it's also being really innovative too with the product formats. I think a lot of marketers are incredibly inspired by the work that their team is doing. So hats off to you, Vacation Team. I love what you're doing. I think it's so much fun to just watch what they're going to do next. And it makes me want to get everything, like not even just from an admiration standpoint, as a marketer, but it's just, it's interesting. There's different novel things about it, but also innovative at the same time. So it's not just something where it's like, oh, that's silly. It's, oh, that's silly, but it also works really well. And I like that. And the texture's fabulous for this SPF where the smell is fantastic. And this is something that was missing. They have such great synergy throughout their entire brand and the products that they're putting out and in everything that they're doing that it's quite effective and I'm really excited to continue watching what they do. It is really exciting too, because they bring this like almost humor side to a product yep. that notoriously Americans don't like to apply SPF. I think we are the country yeah. that applies the least amount of sun protection, which is wild yeah. because I think we do spend a lot of time outside, whether at the beach or running or swimming at a pool or playing tennis and vacation really took this spin of <laughs> Hey guys, it's cool. It's fun. Like you want to be outside, but you need to protect yourself from something that is as wonderful, as scary as the sun. So I give them a lot of credit too. It is. They take things that are like the whipped cream. Like it's sexy, but it's also playful and it's not, it, it, you want that on your body and you want to wear SPF and feel that because it's fun and it's making it interesting and engaging to consumers, which is just, it's just brilliant. I have such good things to say about that. Amazing. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So take us back to Honeybee Consulting. How did you get started building your own company, building out your own services? What was the hardest part or something that you didn't expect that you would have to go through as you're building your business? I have always been a very entrepreneurial person. Some people that like to start businesses and try things like that, they just have something in them and in their brain. I was always like a very, I would run the lemonade stands. And I would have different special things beyond just lemonade. I would be marketing it as and providing the value and all of that as a child. Like this was just inevitable. And I did it a, like a little bit earlier in my career too. I started a company that was more on the comm side and I worked with a lot of local businesses, helping them secure PR and help them write things up and get a lot of different press coverage and also focusing on the content side as well. That was fun, but I don't think at the time I, I fully knew what I wanted to do with it. And I think I was a little bit scared. I was more interested in stability. But I think what we've all learned over the past few years with the job market is that there's not really a, a thing as job security anymore. There's no guarantees. I feel like I wanted to take control of my career. As a result, I was really inspired by that and by what people are doing. And being able to have different clients and perspectives happening simultaneously in my day-to-day, -day, I find that so stimulating. And I, I genuinely enjoy just being able to have the opportunity to help more versus then to just be hyper-curated. That's not to say that maybe one day if there's an incredible opportunity, I'm not going to go back to corporate and, and give, do a full-time gig or something like that. But for me right now in my life, 
this is totally what I want to be doing. I, I want to be helping people start from scratch or helping people start from whatever point there are in their brand journey. And it's so much fun. I, I think the biggest challenge is I'm still a very new business. So there's been a lot of interest that I'm really lucky for that. I think leveraging LinkedIn as a platform in order to just establish myself as a beauty industry professional, not being someone that has been in that space my entire career has been incredible for my progress and for my exposure professionally. I cannot recommend utilizing that as a free tool enough, but that was, that's really inspired me to do this. When I put up the green banner and I said that I was open to work, I think it's always a little bit of a vulnerable and terrifying moment, but I did something different this time. And instead of just saying I was open to work, I said what type of full-time roles I would be interested in. And, and then I also said what type of freelancer consulting gigs I would be interested in. The response that I got for that last portion, which was just a little last minute addition, was a bit overwhelming, positively. Um, I re and I realized, I go, oh my gosh, there's a need for this. And that was something that I didn't really have that experience when I first started a business years ago. It was me really starting from scratch. Basically, I had all of this interest in more of the consulting side of, of what my skill set is. And I said, yes, I said, let me do this. And it also happened simultaneously. This is a funny story. I'm, I'm definitely a believer that things happen for like weird reasons or whatever. And sometimes timing just tends to work out. And I live in Seattle. And if anyone's familiar with Seattle, there's personal property theft is a bit prevalent here. And my vehicle got stolen, which a lot of Ooh. people said was, oh, oh it was, wow. it was your, your welcome gift. Personal property. Wow. <laughs> yes. And so I was so scared because I'm like, what am I going to do? This is crazy. At the time, I had to commute about 40 minutes outside of the city to get to my role. And then when I decided to just not use that insurance towards a new car and to just use that to invest in myself and my life and all of those things happened literally all at the same time when I was getting all this interest for the consultancy. And so for me, I was like, there's literally no reason not to do this now. Like it's being thrown at me and I have to say yes. And so I, I tried to be perceptive to that and then just trust and run with it. But I, I felt like there was no way I couldn't with the way that everything aligned in my life. Do you feel like it was almost giving you this push to say, now's the opportunity, like strike while the iron's hot and yes. you're, you're not looking for the perfect platform, but you're looking for a sign that's saying, this is it. And if you don't do it now, you're going to regret maybe not doing it a few years from now. Yes. I couldn't have, I could not even imagine another chance where things aligned in the way that made this a little bit less scary. I think it's incredibly intimidating, but what makes it less intimidating is, is going through different things like pandemic layoffs and just a really rocky job climate as an employee. And that makes you want to feel a little bit more empowered and a little bit more in control. And while I think life laughs at us when we try to over plan or over control things, I think that we have to take leaps in order to make things that we actually really dream of a reality for sure. Mm -hmm. It's a good point you made about the stability too. I think a lot of times people will mention to entrepreneurs, don't you feel nervous? Like you don't have a corporation behind you guaranteeing your salary that is deposited every two weeks. And as you said, we have seen so clearly, especially since 2008, how these major companies that have 
could have been around for 50 to 100 plus years have collapsed overnight. So what is stability anymore? And like you said, when you are going after your dream and you build up your relationship with your clients and within the industry and your authority, there is almost more stability to that than a traditional corporate role. Absolutely. You can create stability for yourself to to some extent. I think I think the biggest thing is just to make sure that imposter syndrome doesn't get in your way and you don't self-sabotage or talk yourself out of it. That's a big challenge is just keeping true to the reason why you started this and being sure of yourself and being really confident and just going for it. You have to just go for it and commit. It's like when you're driving you have to commit to, to whatever choice you've made. Otherwise, you're going to create so much chaos. So you have to commit to this choice that you've made to do it. And just remember why you started that. And you're going to be totally fine. Just you have to work hard and, and create that stability for yourself and never forget why you want to do it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Do you have any mentors that have helped to guide you along the way or your favorite advice, whether you've heard it on a podcast, you've read it in an article, and what is that advice? And how and why do you always take it with you to continue building your career? So interestingly enough, and I don't know if it's just because I was in a lot of different male-dominated industries and things like that, where something I do love about the beauty space is there's so many women in leadership and we still have a ton of work to do with that. But there's more and you're going to see more of that, which is very inspiring for, I think, all ambitious women anywhere, regardless of what industry you're in. There's going to be more of that in the beauty space. And it's fabulous to see, especially having come from industries where it's very male dominated. But I never had a mentor professionally. I had a lot of people that always hyped me up and were rooting for me. I had parents who very much raised me with the belief that I could do whatever I wanted. And they supported me with that. And I've always tried to just remind myself that it is important to never stop dreaming as a result of, of not really having that guidance or mentorship, though, from a professional thing, it's something that interests me in doing for girls that are just getting started out in the beauty space. I love mentoring and giving advice to young people that are getting their start or they're still in school. I think it's so meaningful and it's so helpful. And so that's something that moving forward, and I hope to, as Honeybee expands, that I can provide opportunities for them as well. And I would love to have an internship program as well as teach them about freelance and, and trial and error and th- see things like that if it's for them. But mm-hmm. that's definitely something that is a passion point of mine. And I'm excited to be in a position where I can and can provide some more insight at this stage in my career. As far as favorite advice goes, though, and maybe this sounds a little bit dreamy, but I think it is definitely always going to be what yours will find you. I think that, and I don't even know who said that quote, but I have it, the picture on my wall is literally that. It sits above my desk. It's because there's just been so many crazy things that have happened and have been really unexpected and have felt terrifying and awful in the moment. Very overwhelming. You're like, what is going to happen? What am I going to do? But then what ends up happening, I find, is that something better does come along and something that feels like it's a better fit and it's more meant for you. And I think that goes for a lot of things in life, whether it's career-wise or professionally or even personally. Sometimes we just experience things as humans that don't feel great in the moment, but I think there's always lessons to be had from whatever we encounter. And we can take that as an opportunity to find something that's even better and that brings us more joy, which is so important. We spend so much of our lives working and 
if you can find something that makes you happy and feel stimulated every day, then you have to fight for that. And there is so much to say about something of the discomfort where that is where transformation happens. And that's where we're able to change (laughs) and evolve. And if we're constantly sitting in our quote comfort zones, then are we ever trying something new? Are we ever trying to get beyond our small network and meet new people or take risks or experience like, I don't know, new partnerships, et cetera. So that is something to say there. It's true. And I think it's also tricky because there's a lot of times too, when you're applying to jobs, say you're really interested in getting um, involved more or expanding your expertise in like a different segment of marketing than what you've done previously. Say you got your start in copywriting and then maybe you were more interested in the growth or the performance side and, and expanding on that and becoming more well-rounded or if you were in social and you wanted to, to have an idea of that side too so that you could be better at both and how they work together but a lot of times if you don't have that experience already it can be hard to get in and to continue expanding it which is why I think I've always been really drawn to small to medium-sized organizations where you are forced to wear a lot of hats And that's definitely not for everyone, but it has been the biggest influence in being able to have a wide variety of skill sets. And then now that I have my own business, I'm able to market that. And it's not just a super niche thing, which there's something to be said for having a niche. I think that's very important, but it also allows me as just one person to market a variety of services, Mm -hmm. which is useful. Mm-hmm. There's really a generally a, a symbiotic relationship between the people that have their specializations and their niche focus, but having your 360 view and being able to understand how product development works, the copywriting side, social media, listening tools and analytics, as well as the creative component of branding down to SEO and growth marketing. They all have to work together yes. and have that synergy. So it's really important to see everything in that macro lens. Yes, that's my biggest advice for anyone who's getting started in marketing, whether they're in the beauty space or not, is try and find at least one role that'll give you exposure to all of those things so that you don't get pigeonholed too soon into one space because you might want to do something different or maybe you don't fully know exactly what you want to do yet. That's definitely been one of the most useful things during my career, especially when working in corporate roles. And I I don't know if it would have been the same if I had gone to niche or just stayed in like content only for the duration of my career. So Bethany, as we wind down this podcast, one of our favorite questions to ask is where do you sit in the stands in your life? And so this comes from the thought process of imagine you're at a football game, you're sitting in the stands with your friends and you're screaming at the football players saying, why did you throw that? Why did you toss the ball to him? Why didn't you run this way? And they can't hear you. However, you have this passion of what they should or should not have done. And so many times we sit in the stands in our own life where we are saying, we will do this, but it's been two weeks or maybe it's been two years, whether it's sitting on our iPhone to-do list or it's a post-it note on our mirror. Is there anything in your life where you feel that you're sitting in the stands meeting something you want to commit to and start doing or even stop doing and why? I think for one, this business, Honeybee, has been that for me. It's been years since I was out on my own and I was definitely sitting in the stands and I think it stole a little bit of my light, just not being able to do that and forgetting about it for a while and focusing on other things. So being able to do Honeybee now is really rewarding. 
I do think so. And anyone who is a, a writer in the creative side of things can definitely relate. I also write creatively. And something that I'm, I'm still sitting in the stands on is figuring out what to do with that in a way that is a little more productive. I, I would like to maybe self-publish, but I've been saying that for years. And I have stuff that's ready. And that's something where it's it's absolutely like, just do it. Like, why am I not doing it? I don't know. But we, we can definitely, I think. Well, sometimes it's hard just to find the time, right? And how do you carve out the time or how do you schedule in the time of busy, busy weeks? There's a lot going on and days are flying by. It is. And I feel like there's sometimes too, it all goes back to the vulnerability that people feel with imposter syndrome and, and all of that too, where you're just like, is this even valuable? People want to hear what I have to say, like whatever, but it's, you feel like you have something to say and this is something you love. So you have to at least try, you have to try. And I think that as time goes on and, and maybe as I continue to feel a little bit more empowered with what I'm doing here and, and being back in like the entrepreneurial side of things, That'll hopefully spark some things with my creative and, and other endeavors too. But it is, it's funny. It's funny the way that we can not make time for something that does bring us joy, but life is busy. It's hard to find balance. It is. That is a whole other topic that we can explore too. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. Personal life is work as well as pitching yourself and then marketing your clients as well. That is, that's a whole other topic of, we could dive into for part two. Oh, absolutely. Amazing, Bethany. We'll definitely have to do a part two follow-up. It was awesome to chat with you and hear about Honeybee as well as the Beauty Brief. So where can everyone find you on LinkedIn, social media, websites? Yeah, absolutely. So right now I would definitely recommend following the Beauty Brief on LinkedIn as well as my personal LinkedIn page. It's linkedin.com slash in slash Bethany Ramsey. I am very active on that platform and it'll be the most useful as far as everything goes, but I'm also on Instagram at honeybee studio. Amazing. Thanks, Bethany. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your story on the podcast. And we're excited to see what you continue to do and help uh, within the beauty industry. Thank you so much, Anne. I appreciate it. Bye. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. You too.